0: welcome into the final four podcast just the three of us today i'm james i'm joined by mbuya and finally gentlemen how you doing it's all good it's all oh, good. good can't complain you guys sound a little flat after watching the spring box i mean i thought you guys would be happier You yeah. we made it to a final the first time in 12 years yeah. the third time overall we should be happier gents 16 19 over wales now, Henry Pollard coming through with the man of match award 14 points out of the 19 came from his right foot. What do you guys make of the box performance today?
1: Oh, I think it was a good game. Um, the box, as they showed the whole, the whole World Cup, they've played to their structure. Um, criticism or not, they've played to their game plan. Hit it with the forwards, keep it tight with the backs. As much as we may have criticised their kicking game, it's worked for them. Um, yes, it could be better, but it's worked. And at the end of the day, look, points win games be three points, one point, ten points, points win games, so happy to see
2: that. Yeah, yeah, like Mbui is saying, um, points do win games and especially in these knockout phases of the competition where no matter how many points you get it is going to help and it was good seeing that when they get forward and they get these penalties they were going for points instead of going for the lineouts and trying to go for all seven points, you know, mm. rather get three guaranteed than to try to get seven and you get zero. So it was a good game, a good kicking game from uh, Pollard today uh, yeah, and England are through to the final. Mm-hmm. Hoping for the best
0: there. It was a bit of a nervy affair. You saw in the first half the lots of unforced errors, so you could see the nerves coming through from both sides. Now they in through to the final. Uh, it's a relatively new squad at this stage of the competition. Do you think it's the the experience in the team is enough for them to pull off a win in the final? I think if you look at both squads, both the box
1: and England, both squads are relatively inexperienced. I mean. I think we have a few more experienced campaigners, yeah, yeah, yeah. but from the England side, I think for all of them, it was their first World Cup semi-final, never mind final. So experience-wise, the likes of and Pollard, Etzebeth, you know, mm. we should be able to carry on. And as a squad, I back the boys. I think both teams are hungry enough to win it, and you know what, it's, it's going to be a great game. Mm.
2: Yeah, um, experience does count, you know. You need to have BMT, you know, because in these games where it's a game of inches, uh, it is important to have those experienced players, you know, who know how to calm down a situation, you know, like if the game is, if it's going too fast, slow down the game, play at your pace, then go back and build. So the experience will play a part for me, I believe. Um, and just, you know, the fact that the players that have been playing in the starting 15s, it's Majority of them are the players who have been playing almost all the games, okay? Uh, South Africa did have one or two rotation games to give other players a chance. But I don't think the coaches are now going to stop and put in, like, literally five new players. You know, they're not going to make five changes because the players that have been playing have been working. Um, I think Malcolm Marks will go back into starting for SA in the final. Um and yeah like besides that we hope hopefully we can get Kobe back mm-hmm. I didn't see much from Sibu in this game uh, personally uh, but yeah hopefully we get Kobe back so
0: and then we have a good game next week Saturday of course next week Saturday they're meeting England these two teams are meeting each other in the World Cup uh, it's a bit of a deja vu because they last met in 2007 where the Springboks actually won that one if you're Arasi Erasmus and you're looking forward to the the, the roses. How, what are you telling, what are you telling to your boys uh, come match day? If
1: I'm the coach, you know, what, at this stage of the tournament, I think we're sticking to our structures. We're not going to try anything new, we're not going to change the game plan, it's worked for us. It's too late now, like um, Fanella was saying, match day squad will be the same. Um, and I think, you know what, if I'm telling them, I'm telling them to, to play the moment, enjoy the moment. It's just another game, um, don't let it get to your head, stick to your structure, When points are available, take the points, do the basics right. Um, Yes, it's a World Cup final and naturally the nerves will be there, the pressure will be there, but it's just another game at the end of the day. It's 80 minutes of rugby. If you pass it forward, it's a pass. If you drop it, it's a knock-on. Nothing changes. So, yeah, keep it simple, play the basics and enjoy the moment.
2: Yeah, um, I'm just going to go back to a post I saw from Dan Carter this week so he found this notebook that he had from uh, the previous world cup right and in the notebook he just had like he just jotted down notes in the morning of the games that he was playing and it was the semi-final game against SA and the final against Australia so this was 2015 world cup and it literally just said keep it simple you know go back to basics talk have fun smile you know so just those small things that you often tend to forget at the highest stage of the game, highest level of the game. Those are the things that can actually make a difference, you know. And just the fact that you must remember to live in the moment and have fun. Never forget to have fun because if you're not having fun on the pitch, then, you know, everything just goes out the window. So I believe the Springboks should keep it simple, you know. Don't try to change game plans now. If you've been going, like how we've been seeing them going with the forward game, um, if that's going to work for them, then they should
0: do it, you know. Mm. Uh, yeah. Right, in the other semi-final, of course, England, in New Zealand, 19-7. It was a pretty strong uh, England performance in a game that saw Maro Itoje winning man of the match. And, of course, England getting through to the final. How wary should England, how wary should the box be of England?
1: I think very wary. England's playing very well. Mm. Um, they've been having a good World Cup campaign solid team and I think if you look at the box in England, they almost play a similar sort of game. The only difference I'll give is that England with ball in hand run it more, whereas the box, as we all know, tend to kick the ball, play for territory, play for position. So they should be ready, definitely. Um, England, their youngsters, their pack, their backs, everyone is up for it. I mean, you could see from the hacker from even before the game, they're, they're fronting up to your position. It's, they're not going to take it lying down. Um, so yeah, very, very definitely cannot underestimate them at all.
2: Yeah, um like Boy we saying the teams do play a bit of a similar game. Um it's got, I, I really feel it's gonna be very forward dominated that game. Um and I think it's gonna be like just like the semi-final that New Zealand and England played, it's gonna be one at the breakdown, you know, those scrums, those rocks, uh those lineouts, those are gonna determine the game because if we're not winning our lineouts and if they're turning over our, our rocks then it's gonna be really hard for us, you know, because we know that they do have a great kicker in um, Ford and and will Uh not Wolfaro Orange. Yeah. <laughs> so um, yeah, like if we give them those chances, then they will punish us in those chances. And I think even with the high ball, we need to really work on our high ball because even in this game against Wales, there were a lot of like drop catches and even knock-ons with passes, you know, just those small areas that can really turn your game around. Mm. Luckily for us today, it didn't turn our game around, you know. Um, But against England, I really think we need to tighten up there because at the end of the day, it is a final. Mm. And once you're there, you really want to go get gold. It's like 80 minutes left. You've worked so hard for this the whole year. Mm. And literally 80 minutes is what separates you from being from achieving your ultimate goal as a rugby player, mm-hmm. or just being another one of those players who are forgotten, you know, because no one really remembers the,
0: pers- the people who came second. Alright, so Eddie Jones, Rassi Rasmus, the Springboks against the Roses, who's your money on this coming weekend? Oh, I mean, actually, <laughs> you. I mean, a bit of an easy one, you've got to back the box,
1: um, Patriot side, but I think, I think, I think the box, uh, definitely the box i um, not going to give a prediction right now, but yeah, definitely money on the box. Yeah, um, I've been
2: one, like, I've been against the box, you know. Uh, it's been public um, just because, really, we haven't been tested. But after today's game, where we did have a test and we still were able to overcome it, I really think that they're in a good headspace right now. Um, and I think both teams actually are in a great headspace because... You can't beat New Zealand and not be in a great headspace. So I really feel it's going to be a tough game. And you know the twelve, the twelve years that that trend of ninety five, two thousand and seven, and now twenty nineteen. Um, you know, su- superstitious as it might be, but I really think South
0: Africa will win this World Cup. Well, it's a fact that South Africa is undefeated in every single final yeah. that it's ever played in. So we'll see how that goes. Yeah. Moving on now to something that no Manchester United or Arsenal fan <laughs> knows about. <laughs> the UEFA Champions League, yeah, of course, yeah. happened earlier this week. It was match day three of this season's competition. Uh, Real Madrid, UV, Liverpool all picking up wins. Um, of course, Kylian Mbappe came back from an injury, got himself a hat trick at Percy Club Bruges. Sterling also joined in the hat trick party in City's 5 1 win over Atalanta. In the group of death, you had Barcelona picking up a win against Slavia Prague, but the real interesting fixture was against Inter and Dortmund. And you saw Inter coming away with a 2 0 win. So after three games, you have Barca top in that group, followed by Inter, then Dortmund. Earlier on, when the Champions League started, I know Fanele was saying that his money's on Dortmund to get out of this group. Is your money still there, or you want to eat some mambo pie? Nah,
2: I really <laughs> <laughs> no, I really feel that Dortmund can still uh, exit the group, you know, uh, the proper way. You know, they don't want to go to Europa. Um, it's only halfway through, so they can come back and win all three games. You know, anything's possible in football. Uh, they have a great team. Uh, they've got the people who can win them games. So I still see boss and, and Dortmund coming out of
0: this group. Right. Well, Ajax were in the took a surprise out oh, for some people as they went down to Chelsea 1-0. No. What do you make of Chelsea's performance, boy? Um. Yeah. Definitely a surprise for myself. I definitely thought
1: that uh, you know, you and Crave. I I backed Ajax all the way. But you know what? Credit to Chelsea. Um, they played well. Um, lots of chances, there was a dis- disallowed goal in the game as well. Mm. So, yeah. Offsides, offside, just so. uh, <laughs> Fair enough, fair enough. But yeah, no, Ch- Chelsea definitely played well. I think their youngsters are, are stepping up, mm. um, coming to the party. Mishi Michi's playing well off the bench, Tammy, Mason. So you know what, credit to Chelsea, they went to Ix, did a lot of not, not what not a lot of people thought they would do and you know what, well-deserved three points.
2: Yeah, um, look, it's not every Sunday where you find uh, United players outnumbered on this couch. It's usually always a lot of United uh, supporters and then, oh, it's usually 2-2, but today there's two Chelsea supporters and one United supporter. Um, I really feel Chelsea played well. Um, We were able to contain Ajax in the first half, you know, even though it is a hard stadium to go to and get a win. Um, And we were able to contain them like just really sucking the pressure and play. we played our own game, you know, we didn't succumb to what their game. And we got the goal at the end, you know, Pulisic supplied Mishi again. Um, it's been a great combination this season so far. So, yeah, you know, top of the group at halfway and
0: we just need to carry on. Right. Bayern, PSG and Man City are now the only teams to maintain a perfect record. Are they now the favourites for this season's competition? Uh, n-
2: nah, not favourites. Nah, not for me. Um, look, City's got a great team uh, with a great manager, but we all know they always are good in the group stages. But then when it comes to knockout stages, that's where things start to crumble. You know, they made the semi-final last year. Maybe they can make final this year, um, but I don't. I still don't think they're favourites. Just because at the end of the day, you have a Cristiano Ronaldo at Juve you know, um, yes, Bayern are scoring goals left, right, and centre. Lewandowski is looking great uh, for both club and country. But also with them, you know, they have their games where they slip up, or you know, they take thirty minutes to switch on. And once you get to knockout stages, if you're taking thirty minutes to switch on, a lot can happen in that thirty minutes. You know, if you're coming up against a Barcelona, so uh, they're not favourites for me. Yeah, I think Juve are still my favourites just because of Cristiano Ronaldo mm-hmm. and we know he is Mr Champions League.
1: So, yeah. I think yeah, from my side, likewise, as Fernando was saying, I wouldn't, I wouldn't give them the favourites tag. Mm. Um, obviously, they're playing well, dominating, but also if you look at the calibre of sides they play, playing, mm. um, on paper, odds-wise, stats-wise, they should be expected to win. So they're doing what they need to do. Uh, come knockout stages, that's when the pressure tells. City has been amazing, has been dominating domestic football, but we've seen Champions League that that extra step up, something always seems to go wrong. Um, PSG, yes, a very attack dominated team, looking good, but also I don't, I don't fancy them as favourites. Uh, Bayern, of the three, I'd maybe say Bayern has the best chance, um, but like Fanny was saying, when you meet a Juve or a Madrid who are Champions League specialists, mm-hmm. de- despite what's happening in the Liga, um, Barcelona is also looking good this season, mm. so uh, I think come come the semis and quarters, they I don't know if they'll have enough to push it through, but yeah, not favourites for me.
0: Alright, now in the Premier League, we start off with a record-breaking Friday night when Southampton lost 9-0 against Leicester. Leicester now hold the record for the highest away win in Premier League history. Uh, Joined Jamie... with United, I might add. <laughs> <laughs> just, just putting it out there. Throwback to the 90s. Throwback to the 90s. days. <laughs> <the goal. laughs> we all know that and call <laughs> in our lives. <lifetime. laughs> Jamie Vardy and Ayosa Perez both getting hat tricks. It's funny, Brendan Rogers, since he's come in, we've seen a shake up in Jamie Vardy's form. He's got a goal average now that's higher than any other manager that he's been working under. Um, how big of an influence has Brendan Rogers had overall on this team? Uh, I just think literally he came and
2: it just it's looking like Claudio Ranieri when they won the league you know mm. um, there's just like a fresh vibe within the team um, everyone's playing well Madison's playing well Jose Perez got a hat-trick Vardy got a hat-trick um, and you just think when you look at it now and you look at how other teams are playing also you just think that okay Leicester is gonna be in top four at the end of the season and mm. um, you know, and they have won the league before, so it's not something that we can say, okay, no, it's just a momentary form thing. You know, we know they are able to carry out that that form from the start of the season. Jamie Vardy's playing very well, bagging goals, um, and that's what you want to see from him, you know. It looks like, it's looking like that season where he got, what was it, 11 in 11 games, where he mm-hmm. scored 11 in a row. So, um, I think Brendan Rodgers came in and just that fresh vibe of a coach who has experience, um, he has coached Liverpool, um, and, you know, he's just get, getting there and just saying, OK, guys, one game at a time, let's get three points, and then we see where we go.
1: I think, echoing on that, I think Rogers definitely has made an impact, because one thing he's allowed, he's allowed Jamie Vardy to play his game. Mm. Um, he's not relying on Vardy to, to track back and fight and work for the ball on halfway or beyond halfway. halfway. He's, he's given him the freedom to... I wouldn't say pick off the scraps per se, but the freedom to run in behind the back four. Mm. And the rest of the squad knows that, you know what, if we win it and ping it forward, Vardy's there. Chihuahua on the left, he's is, is always, his crosses are menacing. So I think Rodgers has definitely, definitely made a, a big impact in this Leicester squad. And that's why they're playing as, they look as free and comfortable as a city, dare I say, without the squad depth. So Rogers has definitely made an impact.
0: Of course, that win keeps them in third position now. Uh, They, of course, have made some high-profile transfers in the summer. We've seen Harry Maguire moving on. This lack of depth, do you think that it'll hinder them from keeping a consistent challenge, especially with the winter period coming in?
2: Uh, Every team wants to have depth, you know. Um, But I feel like with them not playing in Europe, uh, it's going to work to their advantage. Um, They don't have those midweek fixtures that you have like we just played Wednesday we're playing Saturday, we're playing again Wednesday then you're playing again on the weekend so you know they have that time to get a break um, barring any injury like any serious injury to Maders or Chilwell, um Iose Perez or Jamie Vardy um, I really think they can carry on uh, nobody wants to see players who are influential in the team get injured So yeah, I think squad depth won't really matter to them because they do have breaks in between games. Um, Yes, December is a hectic, is hectic when you have League Cup coming in and FA Cup coming in, and you have double game weeks sometimes. But you know, if they manage to get through that period, then I don't see them. I don't. If they manage to get through that period the same way they're playing now, I don't see them slipping from top four, top five by the end of the season.
1: Yeah definitely, I mean I, I share the same sentiments, not much to add, but um, yeah, the, especially on the, the European front, even with these League Cup and FA Cups, all their travelling is within England, it's within, within England, maybe mm. Scotland, bar an FA Cup, so I think um, conditioning-wise they should be good, um, barring any injuries, you don't plan for injuries, you don't, you don't look forward to them, so mm. I think they have enough cover, and maybe not squad depth, but definitely enough cover to, to see them through for
0: top four at least. All right. a, th- a thought for Southampton Guess who their next two fixtures are against yeah, City twice City. Yeah, In the yeah, cup yeah. and the league yeah, We'll pay for them Speaking of City, they won 3-0 against Aston Villa City have scored 10 goals in their last three games In all competitions And Raheem Sterling has four of them uh, Of course, Fernandinho getting a red card in that match And that gives them more issues at the back to worry about Any surprises though overall with the result?
1: none whatsoever i mean playing villa newly promoted side playing at home as you mentioned on form goals being scored full squad and for me no surprises
2: yeah no surprises uh and was that the city city game mm. yeah no surprises at all for me um i expected them to win uh, it was a slow start to the game you know half time runs no no mm. and you know with the pep side you don't want to be no, no, you know, Pep always wants you to be banging goals. Um, but they did, they started the second half, 46th minute, you know, Sterling got a goal. And from there, just they just built on it and they ended up winning 3-0. Um, kept the clean sheet, even though they have defensive problems. You know, Fernandinho getting a red card later on in the game. Just showing a bit of ill-discipline there. Uh, as a senior player, you don't want to see that from your senior players as a coach. Um, but yeah, I think... City just needs to worry about themselves right now. We know there is a gap at the top, but they just need to worry about themselves. Win their games, focus on their games. Don't worry about what Liverpool is doing, because any given day, Liverpool could just draw or Liverpool could just lose. So if they just focus on themselves, um, then they can make up the gap at the top.
0: At Turf Moor, Burnley conceded four goals, but scored two in a 4-2 defeat to Chelsea. Pulisic coming through with that perfect hat trick. Uh, he's been involved in five goals in his last three games, in all competitions, two of those coming off the bench. What do you make of Frank Lampard's management of the American?
2: Uh, I feel it's, it's been great, really. Um, you know, with the transfer ban and him being one of two signings coming in, him and Kovacic, um, him being the more expensive one, at, was it 60 or 58 million? Um, I think he came in with a lot of pressure. And as a young player, you know, Frank knows how it is to be a young player with pressure. So I think he really handled him well, um, gave him a few games at the beginning, then he took him off and then he said, okay, come on from the bench, uh, make some plays from the bench, and now he's back to starting and he scored a hat-trick. So I think just that grooming and that, you know, adjustments of, okay, you're in, not in Bundesliga anymore, now it's Premier League, and this is how the fans actually, this is what the fans expect from you as a player. Yeah. Um, And just to be patient with them, you know Because we can see with Arsenal They weren't being patient with Nicolas Pepe And yes, he did score two goals now To win them the game in Europa Um, But just from the beginning of the season Till that game He's been under a lot of pressure And he hasn't been performing And that actually takes a toll on the player So I think how Frank managed Pulisic And um, it was really great in my opinion um, I expect him to carry on starting now. Um, I don't think it was just a rotational thing between him and Kalim Hatsunodoy. Mm. I expect uh, Pulisic to start the next game. Uh, maybe, if not United, then the, the league game on the weekend. Um, but yeah, it was a good game for Chelsea, you know, getting four goals. Uh, a bit of, they literally switched off at the end, mm. conceded two goals. The first one was a brilliant goal from Rodriguez. And the second one, the players literally just switched off, you know, and there was a deflection from Tomori. But, yeah, at the end of the day, it's three points. And, you know, you're keeping pressure on the other teams at the top and you're also putting pressure at the teams behind you because now they're playing after you. And if they drop points again, if Arsenal drops points, now they're six points behind Chelsea mm. instead of just being three points, you know. So, yeah, uh, great game from Chelsea. Uh, good to see a win, you know. And I think what was four consecutive away wins, for Chelsea Which is a first I think In their Premier League uh, Premier League era So that was good also mm-hmm. uh, We just need to now Work on our clean sheets And then things Will be smooth sailing
0: All Right, In other results In the Premier League West Ham And Sheffield United Shared the spoils In a 1-1 draw Everton lost At Brighton and Hove After Luca Dean Scored <laughs> an own goal And Watford sharing, spo- sharing the spoils With Bournemouth In a no no game That result obviously means That Watford's still looking for their first win Of the season Looking at today we have Big fixtures uh, Newcastle against Wolves Arsenal against Crystal Palace Norwich against Man United But the big game of the day is of course At Anfield With Liverpool hosting Tottenham (coughs) Now Liverpool have lost only one Of their last 40 Premier League Fixtures against Spurs (coughs) So (laughs) <laughs> yeah, good luck yeah. to Spurs. Tricky, eh? So, if you are Mauricio Pochettino, how are you approaching this game? You
1: know what, if I'm part, especially at the moment, Spurs going through a, a very, very rough patch. Um, I think at this stage, it, it's pointless um, coming down hard on the players. I'm sure they've had their time of coming down hard. The fans have come down hard on them. And the players themselves know. I mean, as a professional, as a top athlete, you know the standard that's expected, you know, what you can what you can deliver. So I think if I'm Poch, um, I'm motivating the boys, I'm writing them up, I'm like, you know what, yes, we've gone through a bad patch, but we're not a bad team, you know, they've come off a good season. They still do have quality in their squad. So I'm just pushing them, pushing them forward, stick to our structure, stick to our plan, and also I'm sure in the week they've, they've countered Liverpool. As United showed last week, if you neutralise their wing-backs or their full-backs, and, in Arnold and um, Robertson then you make them come up with other options so it's, it's a game of tactics mm-hmm. I'm sure if I'm part I would have done my homework and I'm sure the, the players know what to do and once again it's discipline it's keeping 11 men on the field it's, mm-hmm. if you're playing a trap make sure the, the whole back four is away and it's taking your chances mm-hmm. um, from set pieces you, you've got to convert so um, it's not all doom and gloom um, yes, Anfield is a difficult place to go to, but it's not impossible. So, yeah, come on, you Spurs.
2: Yeah, um, it's two very tactical coaches coming up against one another. Um, one who's, you know, been playing well throughout the whole season and the other, the team isn't really hasn't really hit, like, gear two, in my opinion. Um, they're still in gear one. I don't know what's going on with Spurs right now. But at the end of the day... Anything can happen in football, you know? We didn't expect Sheffield to win 1-0 against Arsenal. We didn't expect Leicester to win 9-0. So it just depends on the day, what happens in that 90 minutes. And both teams have the power to, the firepower to win that game, you know? Um, I don't know if Mo Salah's back. He didn't play last week against United. Um, If he is back, he played Champions League, right? So yeah, if he is back, he should be back. Um, You know, we know what to expect from Liverpool. Um, Tottenham, they have the players to win this game. Um, but it's going to be more hard on them. I think they're under more pressure than Liverpool is. Um, yes, Liverpool wants to keep up their undefeated uh, streak, but Tottenham really needs a win now. You know? They really need to start getting into gear and pushing on. So they're under more pressure, in my opinion. Uh, should, it really should be a good game. I see A lot of goals in this game because both teams can score goals. I don't see a 1 0 game, I don't see a 1 0 coming from this game. So, yeah, hopefully a Tottenham win. Yeah, you don't hear that a lot for the the league. Yeah, yeah, for the league, you know, hopefully a Tottenham win. You don't hear that a lot from Chelsea fans, you know, wanting Tottenham to win. But I really see, I I really want a Tottenham win, you know, that's Liverpool not winning in two consecutive games. So that's gonna put a lot of that's gonna put more pressure on them going
0: forward also. Well when it comes to Premier League teams, there's no bigger team that is a Mabena than Tottenham Hotspur. <laughs> so yeah, don't keep your yeah. hopes up. Uh, looking at Arsenal, they take on Crystal Palace. In the last two game matches for Arsenal, no competitions, Mesut Ozil hasn't been part of the match day eighteen. These days are looking numbered. So if you're here, man, with January transfer window approaching, would you stick in Arsenal or twist and move about abroad? no definitely if i'm also i'm i'm looking to catch the first part of london
1: we i don't know what's going on behind the scenes between emory and also i mean we know he's not injured we know he's fine he's training i think he's even played a couple under 21 games or something on 23s so also fine so if i was him definitely for the quality and caliber of a player i'm I'm definitely looking to go not even overseas even if it's another premier league club Mm. but definitely looking to play regular football Mm. like
2: Unai Emery is very disrespectful in my opinion um, You come out to press conferences And you say no Ozil's training, he's training well He's doing everything correctly, he's doing everything right And then come game day He's not even in the match day AT. Um That's very I don't understand that You know Because literally that's your highest paid player Earning 350,000 a week To just sit at home on a weekend And just watch the game from home Um it's disrespectful to the fans because in a game like the Sheffield game where you need creativity and you need someone who can open up the defence and that player is sitting at home. So they're failing to get their goals, they're failing to become creative but their most creative player is sitting at home, not playing. Um, and you even see that with, with Tierney. You know? um, Tierney played very well against, uh, against in the Europa game. But will he start today? Uh, you doubt it, you know, he's probably going to go back to Kolasinac starting. So, I really don't understand. Even, even Bellerin, Bellerin's been playing some games, he's been getting his minutes. But come today, he's probably going to go back to playing someone else there, you know. So, I don't really understand what's going on with Emre, um, whether, whether he deems Europa more important than the league, or what's going on, but he's not playing the strongest 11 in the league. And even some of his changes, you know, they really are suspicious, you know, taking off, off, Pepe, and taking the Sheffield off game. Pepe instead <laughs> of taking off Saka in the, in the Sheffield game, uh, playing three defensive midfielders and then only putting Ceballos on at the end when you know Ceballos can be creative. Mm. If you're not playing Uzo, rather play start Ceballos, you know, um, that's what you bought him for. You bought him for creativity, then play him in the game, uh, putting him on in the 80th minute. It, it just doesn't make sense to me. Um... But yeah, at the end of the day, he's the manager, you know, it's his job that's on the line every week. So what he what he does, he has to live
0: with. Right, well, at Carroll Road, they know Norwich are hosting Man United, as you know. Now United's next goal will see them become the first team in history to score 2,000 Premier League goals. They've had a pretty good week. They obviously shared the points with Liverpool <coughs> last week. And they played against the team, which whose name could be used as a Wi-Fi password, on <laughs> Thursday night. Uh, what should we expect from them today? More of the same, or will they pull an Oli and disappoint yeah. the Reds faithful again? <laughs> wow. Well,
1: no, I think, uh, yeah, yeah. As we know, it's 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 dark days for United. But you know what? It's not all it's not all doom and gloom. Um, for me, if I'm only, um, um you know the, the type of manager he is, as, as young as he may be, but you would take the positives out. The, the monkeys off the back. Um, our first away win since PSG in February, I think it was 10-11 games, if I'm not mistaken. Um, I'm sure you Chelsea fans can tell us because they kept every week stats, stats, stats. So you know, now the monkeys off the back, we've got the win. Um, the Liverpool game, I'd say two points dropped as opposed to a point game, gained, but that's a different conversation. Um, so, yeah, I, I'm being confident. You know what? You're not going to see anything different from United. The game plan won't all of a sudden change and expect a 4 0 like we did to your Chelsea. Um, but I think it's going to be very tight. Um, I'm predicting a tight 1 0 or a 2 0 when Marshall's back. So, we'll probably see Rashford going back out wide and Marshall playing up front in the centre. And I think we'll keep it tight the, the usual tight game, nothing too flashy your odd sideways and backwards passes. But I think we should be able to scrape a win. Um, Puky and Cantwell have, have been quiet of late. Um, Puky's wonder start of the season has has been tamed. So I think United should be beating a Norwich side, chasing a record 2,000 goals. So I'm expecting a, a United W today. Ah, look
2: man, it's, it's United game, but you never know what to expect. Uh, sometimes they can come out and play a great game, like last week. Um, other times, you know, they just come out and play a 0-0 draw, a uh, very uninspiring 0-0 draw. So, we don't know. Um, personally, I'd like a Timu Kuki trick. you know. Start that fire game, you know, he started off very well. Uh, this is not because of fantasy reasons. Yeah, for, I'll take it for fantasy. <laughs> yeah, it's, <laughs> not a, it's not because of fantasy reasons. Um, but yeah, it's, it's which, you know, they, they can be creative, they can score goals. Um, but they started high and I think now like, now that they're settling into Premier League and all the other clubs are settling into Premier League you're starting to separate the boys from the men you know, the people who know how to play in Premier League and you can see them from the championship sides um, a 2-2 draw would looks like a reasonable scoreline in my opinion um, both clubs can score if they want to uh, United's having trouble with that 13 goals in the past in the nine games mm. um but yeah like like you said martial is back and you know he can get a goal from nothing mm. so i really believe united can when hopefully they do score two goals unlike the game against what, what what but he's playing on
1: Amen. we gotta win yeah unlike
2: that game where they were just one at the penalty with harry Maguire as captain forgetting to go to the the coin toss <laughs> um <laughs> you know
0: We'll, we'll, we'll see what we get from United this week. You we never know. All right, guys. So, quick predictions for today: Newcastle against Wolves. Pick a winner. Uh, Wolves. Yeah, Wolves. Arsenal and Palace. Uh,
1: draw. I'm saying Palace just sneaking away. Palace.
2: Palace to sneak win. Milivojevic uh, penalty <laughs> in the 89th. Uh, nah, I say I say
1: draw. I say draw. No witch against United. United. Draw.
0: <laughs> <laughs> he just said United then 2-2 draw 2-2 draw Liverpool and Tottenham uh, Liverpool yeah. Liverpool Alright So we move on then To the NBA uh, We're 2-3 games Into the season now Who are your favourites To come out of The West and the East NBA is back um, You know
2: Been waiting for this For a long time You know uh, New season Players moving um, LA being Back to being One of the biggest Franchises uh, The uh, biggest cities in in NBA. Um, they are, you know, we know both LA teams are stacked right now. They've got great players, um, and even in the East, you know, Kawhi's left the East. Uh, there's a room for another beast to come out of the East. So, in my opinion, I see the Clippers. Yeah, Clippers are favorites. Um, I think it's going to be uh, Clippers versus Lakers in the conference finals. Barring any injury, of course, um, and Clippers coming out of that, having won their first, their open season opener against the Lakers at Staples Center, um, and in the East, I really see Philadelphia versus Bucks final. Um, if not, I, I I don't see the Nets reaching the final. You know, even though they do have Kyrie now. But you know, just not having KD, and we know what we know. Kyrie when he's in a team, and he's the go-to guy. You know, we saw it at the Celtics. It didn't work out properly. So I really see 76ers versus Bucks um, in the finals there, because Giannis is a, is a beast. You know, reigning MVP. We know what he can do. We know what Joel Embiid and the Philadelphia 76ers can do. So I see that, and I see I see the Bucks coming out. Um, you know, I just don't think... You know, with Ben Simmons not having a jump shot, it, it's really hard, you know. Yeah, he scores 20 points per game, but if if you're at the three-point line and they give you that three-point line and you shoot and you can't shoot, you always just have to be at the basket to make your plays, then I don't, I don't see that working for them in the finals. Um, so, yeah, in the NBA finals, I see Clippers versus Bucks. Yeah, and Clippers to take it, you know, they're currently playing without without uh, their second best player, Paul George. He's currently still recovering from a surgery that he had, mm-hmm. but he'll be back within uh, about 10 games or something. Mm-hmm. So once that happens, you know, they're playing really well right now without him. And if he comes back, you know, one of the better two-way players in the league, um, I really mm-hmm. see them just elevating that much, that step <coughs> forward, you know. Mm-hmm. Whereas the Lakers right now, they have their full team and yes it is hard you know when you're integrating 13 new players into a team it is going to be hard obviously to kick on from day one but i just see Kawhi coming up on top against lebron you know LA belongs to Kawhi now
1: hey hey hey, um. <laughs> hey, hey, hey. yeah i yeah, know you've said it all I'm just gonna give a shoot from the hip with my with my predictions and team wise. I think from the East, I'm probably not too much faith, but I'm gonna go for Celtics and Raptors. Cavs, uh, probably not. I'm gonna go Celtics, Raptors, with probably the Raptors to take it, and then West uh, definitely Clippers, Clippers, Lakers, and Warriors. Warriors have been. um, taken off their perch of late, yeah. um, I do see Kawhi coming back to haunt them again, so from the West I'm definitely giving it to, to the Clippers, overall, yeah, Clippers are looking good and I think Kawhi can, can definitely defend his ring and carry another team.
2: Yeah, um, that, that Raptors prediction, I don't, I don't see it, um, really last season they were carried by Kawhi um, and you know, if Kawhi wasn't there, they wouldn't have won that ring. Uh, they wouldn't have even gotten to the finals, in my opinion. Um, having lost Kawhi, not brought in another major all-star, uh, it is going to be hard. Yeah, they are winning their games. They have been winning some. You know, they started well. But at the end of the day, once you get to that final, like that top eight and you're in the playoffs now, and you have to win four games against a single team, uh to go through i don't i don't think they have that firepower to do that if they're coming up against a team like if the things stay as they are now they'd be coming up against celtics and i don't think they have a firepower to get past celtics in the first round let alone getting to the finals and playing what 76ers or bucks. so yeah unfortunately for the raptors it's one of those okay we won a ring hey but i don't see them winning another ring i'm sorry jake
0: is going to be sad this year (laughs) Alright, uh, we got your team predictions. Let's hear it for your MVP predictions. Mm.
2: Yeah, MVP predictions, it's it's hard right now. It's, it's, it's really hard because you know, James Harden can average 30 a game. Um, it's gonna be hard now knowing that there's uh, Westbrook just came to Houston. So I think his numbers are gonna go down just for that balance. Um, but he's obviously, he's gonna be an MVP contender um Steph is said to be an MVP contender this season um not having clay not having kd he's really their primary go-to guy offensively and we know if he's if he's shooting 30 shots a game and he's shooting at 50 percent, you know he's gonna be averaging 30 um and we know that the more shots he takes his percentages don't go down you know so i really see him averaging a good above 27 this season um, can be MVP uh, depending on how the team does as a whole. Uh, Kawhi can be MVP. You know, if he carries Clippers to the number one seed this season and he averages his 25, 26 points, he, he can be MVP. LeBron James can be MVP, even though it is year 17 for him in the NBA. And he did say that he's going to slow down. Uh, he wants to give AD more of the touches. AD must be the primary go to guy. But I really think that. LeBron has this thing where once it gets to a certain point and he can see this isn't working, then he comes and he takes over. And once that guy in him comes and takes over, um, his numbers really skyrocket, you know. So he can be MVP. Um, in the East, Giannis could be MVP again. You know, he is the reigning MVP. He's the primary go-to guy in the, at the box. Um, and... No one, uh, there's no other notable people in the East who could say we're challenging for MVP, barring Joel Embiid. If he stays healthy the whole season, you know, well, we know what he can do. So I say my top three for MVP this season would be Kawhi to get his first league MVP title, um, Giannis to do go MVP back to back. And I'd say Steph, just because he's the only guy in the team, and we know what he can do. <laughs> now, nah, like we know what he can do, because the other guys have players in the team that they can defer mm-hmm. to. Uh, with him, he doesn't. So you know, he can average thirty if he wants to
1: this season. So that would be my top three. Yeah, I think that, that's a perfect summation. Um, not much more to add. Uh, yeah, how about The top three, I'd probably say Kawhi, Steph, and maybe Yanis. Uh, LeBron, as, as you mentioned um, age is catching up to him but then again he's LeBron so he, he can always pull out the stops, pull out something out of nothing but I, th- I think it might just be a bit too much for him to maintain again
0: so yeah, definitely league MVP should probably be Kawhi Leonard yeah. Alright, dope, now we move on to the final portion of this podcast, recording the Goat Debate which of course is brought to you guys by Goat Africa, the greatest ever gentlemen it is rugby world cup final season you can smell it in the air (coughs) i'm curious to know what's the most iconic final that has ever happened in world rugby
1: that's a tough
0: one
2: iconic uh i think i'll go back to 95 yeah (laughs) 95 um just iconic because of what was happening in our country you know Um, coming out of apartheid you know um, going back to playing world rugby and winning the world cup you know just bringing the country together like how sports always brings the country together Uh, we've seen with the cricket world cup in 03 03? when we hosted the cricket world cup um, 2010 when we hosted uh, the fifa world cup unfortunately we didn't win those Um, but in 95 we did host the rugby world cup and we won it on home so you know the first time we won it and it just meant a lot for the country as a whole. And for those players, you know, winning the first Rugby World Cup for South Africa. Um, I think that was very iconic. The New Zealand ones, uh, I mean, you know, it's New Zealand at yeah. the end of the day. Yeah. They've been number one in world rankings for 80% of the time since they've been yeah. checking world rankings. So none of those were iconic for me. Um, but, uh, the France one, where it was a close game, 8-7. It wasn't really iconic, but it was like a very tough final. So yeah, I'll stick to 1995.
1: Springboks. Yeah, I think I'm the same. Just thinking back, sitting here. Um, like Fanny said, All Blacks I mean, are expected to win on paper. And maybe 2015, defending, first, first team to defend the World Cup. Yeah, that's an incredible achievement. Would I really call it iconic? Eh, maybe not so much. Um, All Blacks again 2011 on home soil played well well deserved that that tight final had france won that maybe might have you know (laughs) thrown a spanner in the works 07 box england also a good final but i mean that was just good rugby nothing's so much iconic about it uh 03 99 aussies yeah good finals but yeah for me definitely 95 um also if you look at the semi final and how the box almost didn't make it, I think yeah, yeah Cape Town that was Australia or France. I mean, with the rain and mm. possibility of the game being cancelled and had it been we wouldn't have made it to the final and hosting the final and mm. the drop kick, Jules Grancy, I mean yeah, I think ninety five in terms of history and context and yeah. if you look at the bigger picture, I mean the World Cup is a World Cup, but if you look at the, the bigger picture of what is happening at the time then Definitely the 1995
0: World Cup for me. Well, here's to hoping that we can top it this week in this upcoming final. That brings an end to the Final Four podcast for this week. Thank you for tuning in. Of course, we'll see you again next week where we talk Springboks lifting the trophy, speaking it into existence, (laughs) and of course, sports. So much sports, so little time. So we'll see you again.
1: United, no. Man, I'm 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 glad we have that on record,
0: so uh we can come back to that. Edit that <laughs> <laughs> All right, from us here, we'll see you soon. Bye. Bye. Bye.